0: Father, we do uh, uh, lift up that time uh, where our young people are away. We pray that God that it would be phenomenal for them, that they would grow in the knowledge and understanding of You are of who You are. They would fall more in love with You, and Lord, that it would be just a tremendous time spiritually for every one of them, and that God that they would grow as a group also. And we do pray for the leaders, bless them, use them, anoint them. And God, give them that stamina that they need to hang out with young people for six days, Lord. So bless that time. And now as we're in your word, as we're looking at Hebrews, God, speak to our hearts. I believe this section can be one of the, one of the strongest sections in our lives if we, if we let it penetrate deep within or we can be people who just choose to ignore it and go on. And my, my heart's prayer today is that we would be open to what you have to say to us. To us as individuals, to us as a fellowship. And Lord, that we would rejoice that our God desires to communicate with us and desires to move in us and change us. So God, I pray that you would bless this time, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. We've been bringing up, or I've been bringing up over and over, he's writing to some people who were Jews who became Christians. Obviously, that's why it's called the book of Hebrews. They're struggling, they're having a hard time. Listen, they're having a hard time with life, and they're having a hard time in their Christianity. And I believe, listen, I believe some are about ready to give up. Some are being drawn back by family and friends and and, kind of tugged back into that other life. And they've got to make some choices. And sometimes those are hard choices, difficult choices. And these guys are facing those. And some of us today may be facing something similar to that where you're having to make a choice. And, and, and listen, part of you may feel like giving up. I just want to quit. We've talked about this. is like a marathon. we got to go to the end. And so we, we're faced with those things. I know for myself, when, when I came to the Lord and got saved, I was raised, I've mentioned it before, I was raised in the Serbian Orthodox church, which, you know, usually things like that then are related to your culture, right? You're Serbian, therefore you've got to go to this church and be part of that. And when I left that church, my family accused me of leaving my family and leaving my culture. How dare you do that? Why would you do that? Well, that's what these guys are facing on a much grander scale. Mine was just, we're mad at you. You, these guys these guys are being persecuted and, and hammered and so it's tough and so their families are saying listen all of this could end if you just come back all of that could go away if you just come back and so now they've got to make a choice because I believe in our relationship with God there's two choices Some people say, well, there's really three. I believe there's only two. The third choice is I just ignore everything and pretend it doesn't exist. Well, that's not really really facing it. But with God, there's two choices. You can serve him by your own integrity, your own works, your own righteousness, and go that direction and face him. Or you can come under the blood of Jesus Christ and have that relationship. That's it. And I don't care, listen, I don't care how people label it. I don't care if they call it, you know, a Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or Buddhism or whatever. It's a works relationship. You're either going to relate to him by works or by faith through Jesus Christ, one or the other. And there's, there's no in between. So here's what they're saying. Come back to works. That's kind of foolish, isn't it? But yet, aren't we often drawn that way? Isn't there often that little tug in our heart? Because here's the thing, it's easier to walk by sight than it is by faith. And so they're tugging on them. And so listen, to, I, 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 look at, I look at the end of chapter 12 here as the author's last, like, come on, let's go. And it's also the last warning. Remember, we've talked about the warning passages, although I call them encouraging passages, not so much warning. So here's what he says in verse 18 For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and to the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Now listen to what he's saying. He's going to contrast Mount Sinai where the law was given to Mount Zion and calling that the heavenly city. And he's going to contrast those two. So he's using, listen, he's using a metaphor to get their attention. And he says, you have not come to a mountain that may be touched. Now that begins right away if you're if you're reading this right away if you've read your old testament you're going wait a minute that mountain couldn't be touched and so you need to understand he's not talking about permission to touch he's talking about the possibility here's what he's saying earthly versus heavenly present versus eternal that's what he's doing so he's not necessarily saying you had permission to touch a mountain, but it was something you could see, look at, and feel. So he says, that's not the one we came to. And then he describes it. Listen, he describes it. When he describes it, it doesn't sound, for me, it doesn't sound like real attractive. When he says, listen, this is a thing that burned with fire. It was blackness and darkness and, and a tempest and a huge storm, the sound of a trumpet and words that scared the liver out of me. Yeah, I really want to go there. That's where I want to go. And so as you read this, if you're not familiar, you gotta read Exodus nineteen, and it'll kind of catch you up. If you and, and here's what kind of grieves me as we get into, especially as we read through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is definitely tied to the Old Testament. And yet there's a lot of people who have never read their Old Testament, never even looked at their Old Testament. A lot of us, if we open our Old Testament, it would and dust would come out, right? And and so you need to be familiar. And then there are those who say, that doesn't count anymore. Oh, yes, it does. It didn't go away. Same God. We're going to read about. Same God in the Old Testament that's in the New Testament. So here's what he's contrasting. He's saying, do you want to come to that? In Exodus 19, you can read. Remember, God set the whole thing up. They've been delivered out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've gone through some difficulties, and now it's time for God to give them the law. And if you remember, he says, bathe yourselves, clean yourselves, prepare yourselves, even sustain, uh, sustain from, uh, from sexual activity. We're coming to a holy place. And then gather around the mountain. And we're gonna read where he says, not even an animal can touch it, right? Gather around and hear me. And then if you read that, that episode and if you have a good imagination, which I think we should, you kind of get that picture of this mountain and Moses goes up and this big dark black cloud comes down over it and and then you just see lightning going in and and it gets a little bit terrifying and all of a sudden there's a sound of a trumpet that you don't know where it's coming from and thunder that's shaking the ground sounds a little bit frightening and ominous, right? And that's what happened to them and he says, that mountain, that mountain, he goes, that's not the one we came to. And then he even says in verse 20, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if, if, if so much as a beast touches a mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Moses was freaking out. I think if you freak out Moses, it's time for everybody to freak out. And they went through that whole time, and then if you read on, because you should, you should read 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and it gets a little bit more exciting, and then 24, 25 gets kinda, of, and then 26, 27, and then you get into the place where Moses is still up there. Most of us know in about Exodus 32, Moses doesn't come back. And remember what the people said, Aaron, where's Mo? And he goes, I don't know, man, but I'm freaking out now. He went up there, and remember, everybody was afraid of what was happening up there, because it wasn't some quiet little thing. It was phenomenal what was going on. And then they came to the point like, well, he must have died. God must have ate him. So Aaron, you take over. And we know the story, right? Right? Aaron, you take over. And we need a God that we can worship. And Aaron, what does he do? Give me all your gold. Come on, give me all your gold. He gets the gold, forms a calf. They start worshiping the calf, and who shows up? Mo. Remember, and he like freaks out on him and stuff. My favorite part of that is when he questions Aaron. Aaron, what are you doing? He goes, I didn't do anything. I just put some gold in the fire and his calf jumped out. (laughs) It always cracks me up because that's exactly what we do, right? I didn't do anything. It just happened. And so, listen, and then on that day, 3,000 people died. At the giving of the law, think about that. At the giving of the law, 3,000 people died. On the day of Pentecost, when the gospel was preached, What happened? 3,000 people got saved. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't that a great contrast to think about and kind of get a picture in our mind? But why, why does the author of Hebrews bring this up? And why is it such livid detail in Exodus and it's brought to our attention? I think for this one reason, that we would understand as sinful people God is unapproachable, that you cannot get near him, that it is not something you can do. We need to understand, and here's what bothers me, when we push away the Old Testament and we push away, you know, a God of judgment, then all of a sudden we don't understand him and we don't have that reverence and that respect and that, that quote, fear of God that I believe we should have. And listen, that whole scene is to bring to our hearts that we know that God is a God who's powerful, a God who's holy, a God who's righteous, a God who's loving, but also a God who judges. So he says, listen, all that went down, and I believe he's reminding them, and here's what he's telling them. Do you want to go back to that? Is that what you want to go back to? Because if you go back to Judaism, that's what you're going back to. That is what you're going to do day by day, moment by moment. Is that what you want? Or, I love this, or, Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Woo! Which one do you want to come to? Listen, man, listen to the things he lists here. The first one is dark. It's got a tempest. It's loud. It's noisy. And it's frightening. The second one, you only come to the. Don't you just? does not it just sound better? The city of God, not a city built by man that man could be proud of, but a city that God built. Here's what He's talking about: we, Mount Zion is this heavenly city that we can come to, and we need to understand that. Now, I I know a lot of people. A lot of people. What is heaven? What is heaven like? Don't know. Haven't been there. And we have this huge question and. Most of the time, we relate to heaven to the present. And we want to relate it to something because that's what we know. That's what we're familiar with. And I think that's kind of a mistake. When he says this heavenly city, I, I, well, I guess the best description, if you really want to get a description, and most of us don't like it, is Revelation chapter 21. You read Revelation 21, it gives us a picture of heaven and what heaven is going to look like in the heavenly city. So you might have that, and some of us go, well, that's not I didn't quite have that in mind. I have something a little bit different, And, and it's like, stop it. Here's what I know about heaven. Here's what I can tell you. God is going to be there. Angels are going to be there. I'm gonna go down this list, right? Because this is what he tells me. Angels are gonna be there. He's telling me that the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, believers are gonna be there, other believers. He's telling me that, that God, the judge. He's telling me that the spirits, that men of the Old Testament who made it through are gonna be there. He's telling me Jesus is gonna be there. Hey, he gives me a whole list. That's what heaven is like. And some of us go, oh, it's still not good enough. Oh, you want something that relates to the present. Why? Here's why. Because our hearts are connected to the present, not the eternal. And that's what he's trying to get across. Connect your heart with the eternal and quit worrying about the present so much. And so as he lists those things, I want us to think about it. And again, I want to go over them a little bit. As he lists about them, he says, listen, first of all, there's Mount Zion to the city of the living God, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem. So he's not, talking, he's not talking about that place in Israel that we can go to called Jerusalem today. He's talking about the heavenly. Again, the Revelation 21, Jerusalem. That, that is what we're called to. That is what we're to focus on. And then I love this idea. Innumerable angels... I believe, listen, I believe we're in the presence of innumerable angels now. We just don't see them. But then, then we will see them. We will worship with them. We will be in their presence. And according to Daniel, there is a boatload of them. Right? Because he says thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. That's a whole bunch. You know, that's always people go, how much is that? A whole bunch. There's like so many that, here's what he's saying. And here's what the author of Hebrews, we can't count them. There's so many we can't count. Them. You can have all of these angels around. And then I love this idea. And, and uh, the church of the firstborn, meaning who's the firstborn? Jesus we're his church. Listen, is he talking about church? Most of us understand it's called an assembly, right? It's not the building, it's us. And we're going to be in the presence of one another, the presence of people who have gone before us. And it's going to be, you know, again, it's going to be in a, an amazing time. They're registered in heaven. And then, listen, in all of that, in the middle of all of that, it's the God of, who's judge of all. Some of us don't like that. We hear God who's the judge of all and we get a little bit paranoid. You get paranoid because you're doing something wrong. That's why you're paranoid. Like usually if you're hanging out with a judge, you're not paranoid unless you've done something wrong. And then you're meeting the judge. I remember one time I was called to uh, sit and talk with a judge about something. And I, I gotta be honest, this is a little freaky for me because I usually saw judges under different circumstances. And I'm thinking, why am I sitting here talking to this man, and he's a judge, and I'm not, and yet he wants to hear what I have to say? That's kind of, that kind of blows my mind. But we're gonna be in front of the judge of all. The greatest judge, the fairest judge, and most perfect judge of all. We're gonna be in his presence. Oh, and then he talks about the Old Testament saints, right? He says, to the spirits of just just men made perfect, they're going to be there. And then I think the best, Jesus, right? To Jesus, the mediator, the mediator of the new covenant. Something to make note of that I underlined heavily. He doesn't say the Christ, and he doesn't say our Lord, what does he say? Jesus. Jesus declares his humanity. The person, Jesus, is going to be in heaven. He was raised from the dead. He's going to be in heaven as that person. Glorified, yes, but as that person. So, man, we're going to be in the presence of the one who died for our sins, who paid everything. I mean, Can you imagine? Can you imagine just sitting at the feet of Jesus for you know thirty-five thousand years, and then you still are not done. Wow. And then maybe a little bit greater than that. What's also going to be there? The blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, that is the new covenant. To sprinkled on our behalf. So you get the author, you hear what he's saying. Do you hear his heart? Do you want this, that's works, that's difficult, that's laborious, that's heavy, that's hard? Or do you want this, where you can enjoy, relax, worship, be in the presence of others? I don't know about you guys, but I think that's a no-brainer, right? That's like really not hard to figure out. And part of that, listen, part of that I understand is because it's because I've been born again and I'm alive spiritually so I understand it. Hey, when I wasn't alive spiritually, I didn't get it. But man, look how beautiful it is. Now, now he's going to get to the nitty-gritty. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. So here's what he's saying. Through his writing, God is speaking to you. That's what the author's saying. Don't refuse him who speaks. He's speaking to you right now. That's why, in some ways, it's a dangerous thing to read your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, now you're accountable, you've read it, you're accountable for what you've read, you're accountable to either believe it or not believe it, you're accountable to respond to it or not respond to it, but it doesn't change, you're accountable because you've read it and because God has spoken to you. God has spoken, what did he tell us in the beginning of this letter? In various times, in in the times past, God spoke in various ways, through various means, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. So now here's what he's saying. If you, He says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. You might like put that on your mirror every morning. I don't want to refuse what God has spoken to me. I don't want to refuse my relationship with Jesus Christ. Then he does the arguing, right? Uses logic. He in verse, at the middle of verse 25. For they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? He's arguing that logic from the lesser to the greater. If this is true, how much more is this true? So if the one who spoke from heaven, Moses, if Moses was giving the law, and those who refused to obey the law and refused to hear Moses Were they not judged? Nod your heads. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Over and over again. Even the immediate 3,000 that we talked about on that one day, but all through their life. Listen, they would ignore God and not pay attention to God. And he goes, if that's true, how much more severe will the judgment be for those who hear him from heaven speak and refuse to listen to him? This is one of those last warnings, and I like to call them encouragements. Now that's kind of frightening. Listen, if you read that and just let that settle in your heart for a minute, it's a little bit frightening. It should be. And what bothers me is some people go, that's why I don't read those parts of the Bible. Why? You don't like getting scared? You don't like doing a heart check? You don't like stopping and looking at your life and doing some evaluating and finding out, hey, God, am I drifting? Am I going over to this direction? Because, uh, listen, if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit of God, who is going to care for us? You think the world's going to fix you? You think the latest philosophy and the latest uh, garbage going out in the world, that's going to help you? So he says, listen, man, we need to heed the voice of God. We need to be people who we're going to say, yes, Lord, in the right way. And then, oh, here's where it gets really good, right? He says, he says him who speaks from heaven, verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I shall shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Oh. Oh. Have you been in an earthquake? Scary thing, isn't it? My very first trip to Israel, when we were coming back from Israel, we were in the air when the Northridge earthquake hit. And we were coming into L.A. And I remember the pilot came on and said, we may be diverted to Las Vegas because we don't know if we can land in L.A. because there was a major earthquake. Now, that didn't upset me a whole lot because I'm from Arizona but there were pastors on there, it was a pastor's trip. Some of the pastors, their wives weren't able to be with them and now they've heard there's an earthquake and they have no way to communicate to see what's going on. We ended up landing and a friend of mine picked me up at the airport and we went back to his apartment that was really, really kind of close, not in the epicenter but really close and his apartment looked like somebody took his apartment and did this and put it back down. Everything that could be broken was broken. glass everywhere. It was, and it was so sad. they were newlyweds, and all of, the, all of the stuff they got for the wedding presents gone, shattered, anything breakable. And I remember being with John, and, and we were getting stuff out of the fridge to take to his parents' house, and it was upstairs, you know, the upstairs apartments, and you have the upstairs sidewalk this is what I call them, right? And I'm walking on it, and it's moving and I'm thinking, man, they didn't build this very strong because it's like moving and then it starts moving more and it's just like a wave. And I'm thinking, they did a horrible job on this. You're in that and then all of a sudden it just goes and you're going, oh, aftershocks. And I said, let's get your junk and get out of here quick. Can you imagine being at that mountain On Sinai that day. And God shook. He shook that place. To get their attention. To get them to understand. They needed more than just the law. They needed something deeper to come to him. And then what he quotes here. He quotes Haggai chapter 2. And Haggai says once again. Once again the Lord says I'm going to shake Oh, not only that. Not listen. Not only that. He says, "I'm going to shake." Verse twenty-seven. Now, this once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made. That uh, uh, things that are made. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Saying, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. God is going to not just shake here. He's gonna shake the entire universe. And everything that can be shaken away is gonna go away. Listen carefully. That's not maybe. That's not a might happen. That's going to happen. There is gonna be a shaking that makes our earthquakes look like child's play. And God promises to do that. Now, do you guys believe God keeps his promises? <laughs> you gonna claim that one? Listen, if he keeps his promises, he's gonna keep that promise. And that is going to happen. Listen, when I read this, I think, whoa. I mean, he's like, he's like hey, I'm not just gonna shake the earth. I'm gonna shake the heavens. I'm gonna shake everything. And I'm going to shake away the things That can be shaken away. The things that are made, the present, the things. And hear my heart. I don't think it's bad to have things. I'm not one of the pastors that said if you have anything nice, you're a horrible individual. You should sell. You know. I listen. I think it's okay. But I think it's bad when the things have you, and you're so involved in the things you're not caring about people. Things are okay. People are important. And we have to remember that in our, in our lives and in our walk. And we have to remember, what if that thing is taken away? Oh, it's just a thing, right? And God is going to do that. And when you think about it, listen, what are you investing in? Your time, your attention, your affection. Is it something that can be shaken? Or is it something that cannot be shaken? Do you hear what he's saying? God is going to divide. God is going to bring that division and shake everything that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. The important things. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're getting close to this shaking. I'm seeing in the world, I'm I'm seeing, listen, it's getting to where we are going to have to choose sides. And we're gonna either have to be for God or against God. There's not gonna be the neutral thing. There's not gonna be, I don't care. We're gonna to have to start choosing. And listen, God is going to shake things. And I've read the end of the book, the planet does not survive, just saying. When environmentalists come and talk to me, and listen, I think we should, I think we should take care of this planet. Not as an environmentalist, I think we should take care of this planet. My God gave this planet to us. And what did he say? Trash it and leave it. It's not what he said, right? He said, take care of it. And if God told us to take care of it, shame on us if we're not taking care of it. We're sinning against what God said to do, not because some environmentalists said to do it, but when environmentalists come to me, I always read them the end of the book. I go, it's gonna burn. Sorry, here's what it says. In Hebrews, it says it's gonna be shaken. And they go, we can't save it? Nope. Are you tied to this earth? Or do you have eternity in your heart? That's what he's talking about. So then as he's talking about this shaking, listen, it gets even better. He says, therefore, here's, I I think all of chapter 12 was up to here, these last two verses. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Are you receiving the kingdom? You see, that's the decision you've got to come to. Are you in that place where you're going to receive? Hey, if your heart and your treasure is in heaven, what does that say? It can't be destroyed. It's a kingdom that can't be shaken. You're doing good. You're working. And if you're receiving that, and I love that, listen, listen, he's telling them, you guys can go back to the law, and guess what? That is gonna get shaken. And that is gonna freak you out. Or you can invest in something that can't be shaken. He says, therefore, I love this. That's why I always call his warnings encouragements, because he gives us the encouragement. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve acceptably with reverence and God uh, may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, I like the idea. It says we come. What does he say we're going to come? Let us have grace. It's funny how the commentators want to fix that and and it doesn't fit and, and they're fixing it and even almost all of the other translations say, let us come with grateful hearts or gratefully. I like the idea, I'm gonna come with grace. The only way I can serve my God is with grace. Not because I brought something, not even because I'm grateful, it's with grace. I'm gonna bring all of that grace into my service of God because that's all I have to give him and it's really his, right? And we approach him and and then I love this, he says, listen, we want to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now I understand something. We're a casual church. Look around, look how we dress. I get it, we're casual. You know, some people say, you know, Calvary's aren't high church. I'm not even sure we're low church. I think we might be basement church, I'm not sure but that's okay, it's okay externally, but our hearts, holiness has not gone away. Holiness is not something in the past. Reverence and fear of God is a good thing, not a bad thing. People try and make it a bad thing. I'm talking about Christians, not the world. It's a good thing. Listen, it's a good thing that we understand I'm gonna come to God with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because he's a judge of the universe. And we need to have that. So our hearts, yes. Externally, it's okay how you dress. Internally, how are we coming, saints? You see, there's the challenge for you and I. If I'm really investing in heaven, then my eyes are in heaven, then I I have that reverence for God. I have that godly fear. Godly fear is a good thing, not a bad thing. And then he kind of wraps it up because here's the like boom in your face. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Woo! Do you believe that? Now some people hate that. Some people use a black highlighter and highlight verse 29. I don't want to read that. I don't like that. Here's the thing i found over the years. Places like that in scripture can either be extremely comforting or extremely frightening. Where's your heart? You see, I think it's a good thing, personally, that God is an all-consuming fire. Why? You know what that tells me? And I've read Corinthians, I've read Thessalonians. You know what that tells me? It tells me when I come to the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to burn away everything that doesn't belong. Hallelujah. Do you want to take, like, do you want to infect heaven with COVID? You kind of get what I mean? Listen, do you want to take your junk into heaven with you? All of us have junk. And when we go through that fire, that all-consuming fire, the junk is going to be burned away and we're going to go in pure and holy and righteous. Yes. Don't be afraid of an all-consuming fire unless everything in your life is built on the present. Then you're in trouble. So I don't think that's a bad statement. I don't think that's an awful statement. I think that's a freeing statement. This is what God is going to do. So just like the Hebrews we have this choice, Sinai, Mount Sinai, or Mount Zion. Now, some of us are going, dude, uh, yeah, you got little Sinais going on in there. Come on. We all got a little bit of legalism in our hearts, right? Even this morning, you looked at somebody, even when you came in the church and you judged them just a little bit, on your way in, you went, huh, haven't seen them in a while. And they're coming today. What's up with that? Huh. We all got a little bit of that. You guys only laugh because that's exactly what you did. You got a little bit of that going on. Get rid of it. Do away with it. And come to the heavenly city, Jerusalem. Yes. You see, I think now, now chapter 13, we're going to just and take off because we made it through this part. But I think there's some serious heart searching that needs to go on in our lives, not just today. We need to be people who are real in our faith with God and have a real, genuine walk with the God of the Bible, not some made-up God, not some God. Oh, I am getting so disturbed, man. I'm listening to people and hearing people and, and watching people that are making up some kind of deity that, you know, just like years, you know, several years ago, everybody had their little designer dog. Now people want their little designer God that they can take her with them and have however. doesn't work that way. Our God has been revealed in Scripture, old and new, and he is a God who is all-consuming fire. Either that scares you or that comforts you. If it scares you today, today, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Let's stand up and pray. Father, tough stuff to kind of tiptoe through this morning, kind of work our way through and some it's not it's not always just pleasant and yet necessary for our lives because one thing i believe everybody standing with me knows walking with you can get difficult oh there's the theology that says it's all going to be easy but there's a the reality that it's not and, Lord, I know for myself, when times get hard is when we have to exercise faith. And I do pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would understand what we're facing when we come to those crossroads, those difficult times, those, those hard decisions, exactly what we're facing that we would not fall for this make-believe stuff that people are putting out there, but we would understand we can either follow you and how you're put to us and how you're revealed to us through Scripture, or we can ignore you, one or the other. And I pray, I pray, God, that you would touch our hearts. Lord, grab a hold of us and draw us near to you And I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've never asked him to come into your life and to guide and direct you, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to do that. So, hey, if I'm talking to you, here's the thing, you've got to come to the place where Today, you're willing to admit that you're a sinner. For some of us, that's a hard thing. It shouldn't be. The Bible says everyone has sinned. So it shouldn't be hard. And I believe most of us, we know we've sinned. So if God is convicting you right now, admit it to him. Tell him you know you're a sinner. It's not for him. It's for you. And then, most importantly, you need to be sorry for your sin. You need to be in your heart regretful that you've sinned against a holy God. That's all the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ died. And he gave you the ability to have a relationship with the holy God. You don't have to come to that mountain. You don't have to come with the blood of bulls and goats. You come by the blood of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for you so you can come into the presence of God without facing that mountain that we described. So if you want that in your life today, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me out loud or you can say it silently. But the most important thing, it's gotta come from your heart. You need to be sincere about this prayer. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Say this prayer with us. If you're watching online from home or wherever and God has touched your heart, God has got a hold of you, say this prayer with us. He will hear you, you don't have to be in this building. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And today I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.